This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to a special holiday edition of Heels Down Happy Hour. This week, we have three special guests on the show with us. We'll share our favorite and most annoying holiday traditions and rehash some of the best equestrian internet cat fights of 2017. Grab some eggnog and listen in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where three horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy Hour! I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Caroline Colbertson, and welcome to episode 13 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Thanks so much for joining us. And this week, we have a special holiday drink from Olympian eventer Jessica Phoenix, who we love. And it sounds super delicious. It involves a lot of whipped cream. And uh, there's, you know, of course, a little bit of an alcoholic twist to it, which we love. So let's hear it from Jessica. My favorite holiday season drink is hot chocolate with Baileys, a ton of whipped cream, and a cherry on top. She also shared some of her favorite holiday traditions with us, which are adorable. And it's pretty cool to learn what an Olympian does for their Christmas traditions. I think that's kind of fun. And it may or may not include matching onesies. So once again, Jessica, tell us what you do for your Christmas tradition. Okay, one of my favorite holiday traditions for Christmas is on Christmas Eve, we all get new pajamas. And it's the first present that the kids get to open and they absolutely love it. And I think this year I might even do matching pajamas for all four of us. This episode is presented by Eagle Gold, leader in saddle pad innovation. Known for their non-slip, shock-absorbing saddle pads, half pads, and protective horse boots. Trusted by Olympians. All right, guys. So it's time for some news. And since this is a, a special edition of the podcast for the end of the year, uh, we are doing like our top crazy news stories of the year. And there so- were some. There were a <laughs> <Yeah>. few. <laughs> so Jess, yeah. why don't you uh, start us off with your news? I'm going to have to give you, I'm bringing you the top internet fights that we discussed on some of the most I think we actually discussed most of these on the podcast. So you have to go back and listen to them if you missed some of those episodes. But the first one I think was Katie Prudent and the talentless amateur. That oh, was, yeah. oh my that God. Was an amazing one. That, that was, some was man. Yeah. So that was, we did discuss that on the podcast. Um, and it just, that was like a huge one. It sparked a million responses from pros and amateurs. And I think everyone had something to say about seriously, that. like everyone in their mom had something. to yeah. say. About yeah. And speaking of upper level event riders, the other one, I think that came in second, in my opinion, would be the Denny Emerson one against where he took up a huge fight against a bunch of upper level event riders. Basically oh like all did upper level currently team. competing event riders. Like yeah. it, it was very widespread. He basically just like took a torch. Like he like, you know, named some people by name and his Facebook posts, which just correct me if I'm wrong. Many of those were deleted afterwards. Um, yes, most of them were deleted. <laughs> it was like very grinchy, curmudgeon-y of him. You know what I mean? Like in the in, in the holiday it was spirit. Very, it yes, was not like, very holiday spirit. Yeah. No, not it was the anti-holiday spirit. And I just think it's like so it's so one of those things where like people, you know, stay up late at night and they post really grumpy comments and they like fight with each other and then they wake up the next morning and they're like Oh man, and then you know, you see this like mass deletion chain of of all of their posts. Like 
it was really, it was really ugly. They yeah. all needed a yellow card for that. <laughs> and I think not last but not least on my list was when, and this wasn't such as much a catty fight, but when the show jumpers decided to complain about the entry fees in North America versus Europe. And so that was a pretty good one, saying that basically people pay more to compete in North America than they do in Europe. But, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> well, which, yeah, I mean, is true, but... Um, it was interesting to see a bunch of show jumpers really kind of unionizing to speak up about this. Um, I feel like the last year or two, like the IJRC and just, you know, even show jumpers are not not involved in riders clubs have been very outspoken on their social media about, um, you know, the say yes campaign. And, um, you know, there was the big thing about harmonizing of entry fees, so many things that got show jumpers really riled up this year, it was kind of cool though to I, I thought to see really top show jumpers, um, you know, that you don't necessarily some of them, you know, just kind of go about their business and they just ride, ride and compete and win and they don't get super fired up or they don't feed into that drama very much. But pretty much everyone spoke out about a lot of these issues, especially about the entry fees and the pay cards. And yeah. uh, we've written a lot about that on the website um, and in the magazine as well, um, Heels Down Magazine or HeelsDownMag.com. So if you don't know what the heck we're talking about, go back and listen to us and read. It'd be fun. Yeah. And then Caroline, what do you have? A little bit. You have anything less dramatic or was it pretty intense? No, more dramatic. Just as dramatic. dramatic. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I feel like 2017 was a bit the year of talking about drugs. Like not marijuana or heroin, but talking about banned substances in horses. So just to sort of recap, um, of course, we have President Murray Kessler as U.S. equestrian president now, and he has put it, you know, at the forefront of his mission to crack down on banned substances um, in horses. So a few of the things that popped up in 2017 Um, So drugs and medication fees were increased because uh, President Kessler said, you know, this increase is necessary to, to quote unquote, fund the battle against cheating on the field of play and to defend the findings of the hearing committee in the courtroom. So essentially, you know, everyone is having to pay a little bit more because he made it clear that he's very serious about cracking down on this. And we did see a lot of cracking down on banned substances. just to name a few, a because we've discussed a few of these on the podcast. And of course, you can go listen to old episodes. You know, we talked about the Paige Johnson case, which was a really unfortunate case uh, where one of her grooms bought a triple antibiotic ointment with a mild pain reliever in it. Um, it was completely inadvertent. Later, you know, everything was sort of cleared up. It was obviously an accident and such a small, you know, amount of um, a substance that, you know, then she was she had a, you know, a proper, she was suspended from competition. Um, of course there was the Adrian Lyle and Caitlin Blythe. Um, they were both suspended for a supplement contamination, which was completely inadvertent. They were feeding their horses something that they didn't, you know, that, that they didn't even realize was, um, they were feeding something illegal because that substance was not supposed to be in the, um, supplement at all. We did a really thorough article, about feed contamination in Heels Down Magazine. So 
um, that went over absolutely everything. The laboratories are so crazy, like good at finding tiny, 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 minute little amounts and traces we'll of trace, drugs. Yeah. yeah. So, um, of them. so that's what we have to be really careful about. And that's what's so careful. And then there's, you know, the ones that are maybe not so accidental. Um, Kelly Farmer and Larry Glefke were under fire this year um, because they were they were penalized for doping violations by United States Equestrian as well. Uh, of course, injectable magnesium sulfate is now a forbidden substance. You can't have it on the showgrounds as well. It's completely for, forbidden. Uh, they're potentially looking at um, pergolide, which is for Cushing's. Uh, and the biggest one, of course, that we talked about so much this year, Depo Provera. Um, so now you have to submit in writing that your horse is on Depo Provera. They have not banned it yet or made it a controlled um, substance other than the fact that you have to submit in writing that your horse is on it. You have to, you know, write, have your vet sign off and, and um, tell them how often your horse is getting it, how recently they, they got it, that kind of thing. So they're kind of keeping a little bit more of an eye on it. So there just was a lot of drug talk this year. And hopefully there's less drug talk next year because that would mean that it's getting better. So that was kind of a bit of the roundup for 2017. Kind of rattles your brain. It makes you think about all the things that happened in 2017. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then Justine, your news item is like one of my favorites. Yeah. So this one actually is pretty interesting too, because it was one of our most read stories on the website at heelsdownmag.com for the year. But it, uh, it, my news story for 2017 is how Facebook cracked down on animal sale ads. So basically, you know, Facebook is every horse person I know uses Facebook to share when they're selling anything from a saddle to a horse all the time. And it's just like, it's basically the norm now. So standard. Yeah, absolutely. But Facebook has a rule in their, basically their commerce policy rule that says that animals are not allowed to be advertised for sale on their website. So, uh, and I've actually, I've actually experienced this personally. So not that I was selling a horse, but I was trying to sell a saddle and like posting it in English tack trader and other various equestrian sale groups. And my posts kept getting flagged. So they have really seriously cracked down on this. And you have to be pretty sneaky about, like, the way you word your ad to get around the Facebook algorithm now. Ooh. Yeah. spooky. So, so you you were flagged for, for selling a saddle? Yeah, yeah. And I had to, like, fill out this form, basically, to tell oh, wow. Facebook, like, listen, this is a piece of equipment. This is not an animal. <laughs> like, so, yeah, like, slow <laughs> Did they approve it? They did. But it took, like, several days. So, oh, yeah, so I, I just in uh, the woman who owns the farm where I keep my horse, she sells horses and posts on them, posts about them on Facebook all the time. But she was telling me how she has to be. It's a very delicate balance of like finding the right words in the top part of the, her posts. So the algorithm doesn't pick it up and ban it, which is really oh. interesting. And I wonder why. I mean, because obviously Facebook has expanded so much since it started and they have their own marketplace now where you can sell all kinds of crap. But, um, like, why animals? Why is that? Why do they care? It's just interesting that they, like, it's, that you've experienced it's really happening. It's. Yeah. I wonder how it affects, real. like, 
rescue organizations and stuff like that that have yeah. a Facebook presence. Oh, but, that's uh, a good question. Yeah, that yeah. would be a bad side effect of having a role like that. Yeah, I'm not really sure why. Like, why is that necessary? Come on, Facebook. Come on. We need Calm some help. Calm down, Facebook. I'm Cut. excited. Yeah. I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to have a lot of fun. So we have, of course, three people coming on. Um, and Justine, I'll let you kind of give everybody a little teaser about who our first guest is. Okay. All right, so we have a very special episode for you guys this week in that uh, instead of our usual segments, we have three really cool, wonderful guests on the show. And our first one, I'm really, really excited to introduce Terrence Prunty, who is a hunter, rider, and trader with Rendezvous Farm in Grafton, Wisconsin, alongside Cookie Beck. He graduated from Delaware Valley University with a degree in equine studies and training, and he's worked with some of the top pros like Missy Clark and Scott Stewart. Welcome, Terrence. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you here. And uh, I've talked to Terrence before about the Hunters for articles in Hillsdown Magazine, so you can read about Terrence in the magazine too. But to get you started on the show, Terrence, I have to ask, uh, what are some of your favorite family traditions that you do at the holidays or like that you like, and then also like the really annoying ones that your family just makes you do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, so what happens every Christmas Eve, we always have people over um, to our house. And my family's like pretty small, so it's basically turned into like my neighbor's family and um, like a, another family friend. And so there's like probably, well, we're not kids anymore, but 10 of us that all kind of grew up together. So that's always happened every year. And then for some reason, I don't know how, but we never really watch like the, the traditional Christmas movies. We always end up putting on Home Alone. Oh, but, that's my favorite. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. Christmas movie. So that has literally it around like nine o'clock, you know, after everyone's kind of gotten there, all the quote kids will like go in and we end up watching it every year. Oh, and you yeah. still do it this every year. Still do it. And now like my oldest brother has two kids of his own and like, I mean, they're babies, but it's so bizarre watching that, like, happens all the time. <laughs> I love that. That's adorable. I like, love that, like, yeah, uh, I love that you guys don't watch, like, the normal Christmas movies. No. Like, my family, like, I don't think I've ever seen, like, A Christmas Story or any of those token Christmas movies. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah, and the fact that it's on for 24 hours, I'm like, no, nope, yeah. I think we should <laughs> we'll, we'll pick a new one. All right. Oh, goodness. So switching the conversation a little bit, were there any cool or interesting or even funny trends you've noticed at the shows this year? Um, well, not so much in the equitation. The only thing in the equitation that I've kind of noticed, which uh, is kind of throwing it back a little bit, that there's some people that bring, are bringing back like the checkerboard patterns on their horse's hind end, which I... Oh, that's yes, interesting. I have noticed that. I've seen it around, like I've seen it in the hunter ring sometimes. And then, you know, this year at like finals and stuff, there was a couple of horses that had it. And I think it's just so cool. It's, like a, it's a little throwback. It's especially with that and the equitation, because it's so traditional and everything's like, everyone looks the same, basically. That's like your goal. Um, and then in the hunters, the only thing I could really think of is that people, well, mostly in the amateur divisions that getting like 
more bold with like their jacket choices. And it's starting, they're always going to try to be that traditional, but like with the collars and the buttons and the, and like the small logos and stuff, it's starting to come out, which is kind of, it's pretty cool if they do it in a tasteful way. That is cool. And I like that too, because it makes it feel a little bit, you know, as a hunter rider, a little bit more practical in some ways, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, not so much always like the, the black and the blue coat, like bringing it back, bringing it up to stepping it up a little bit. Yeah. I like that. I like it too. Yeah, I think it looks good, actually. <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of nice. I mean, I've seen some that are like, okay, you probably shouldn't wear that. Yeah, maybe not <laughs> yeah. Maybe not in the ring today like that. But. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> save that for something else. But Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Also, Terrence, uh, I've always been an amateur. Yeah. And I feel like the association is really catering to amateur divisions and things like that. But what do you think that means for the professionals that are riding the hunters? Well, I think, yeah, like you said, it's the amateurs have always been a pretty big division. But I feel like now it's more competitive every year. And, you know, the riding is better and the courses are more challenging. So, you know, I think the professional divisions have gotten a little weaker because of it. Because these amateurs, they want, they are riding so well and so often that they want their, they want new horses and more competitive horses and they can, you know, they can produce that. And so like, you know, the first year division is, or the green three, six division is always big. Yeah. That's the highest an amateur can jump. So once they, once the horses start going up and in the professional divisions and the heights go up, I think that kind of waters it down a little bit because these professionals are, are producing more amateur friendly horses. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, if you look at like the high performance division now, it's like it used to be huge because they, you know, the amateurs were just the owners and now they're, now they're riding and, you know, they're doing, they're competing against these professionals in, in like hunter derbies and, you know, you get your bonus points towards your division. So if you, you know, if you're an amateur or junior and you do a hunter derby and you, you ribbon that gives you a ton of points towards, you know, indoors and Devin. So it, it's, it's an incentive for these amateurs to kind of step up their game and really start riding against the professionals, which is cool. Are the pros cool with that though? Is that, is it like a shared experience where everyone is fine with it or is there some I contention think, there? So, you know, I think it's yeah. a conversation that they have, but um, yeah, I think so. From the, from at least the professionals that I've worked with, I'm sure there's some that don't, but right. Interesting. Yeah. So what, what is your favorite horse show of the year? You know, in, the, in all of 2017, what was your favorite horse show this year and why? My favorite horse show was always Devin. And yeah. I think just because it's so traditional and it's, you know, not everyone can go and you've got to qualify for it and you've got to, there's just something about the atmosphere. I remember I used to, well, I guess this is going on air, but I used to cut, like skip high school and get in my car and I would drive to Devin and I would sit in the stands and watch. But it's just Aww. like, first time I went, I was like, wait, this horse show is in the middle of this town. It's so crazy. It's it is not- so crazy. Did you get to see any of the eventing part of the Devon? I missed it. And I was so, oh, bummed. it was a, yeah, it was kind of like that in between week or whatever, but yeah. it's still for anybody that like has never been to Devon horse show. It's incredible for any parts of the weeks because it is, it's kind of just this historic one and it's in the middle of a shopping center, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> really cool about it. Because it's in the middle of, of, a, of a town and they have the fair there, it, it brings people who aren't part of the horse show into the horse show. It brings yes. 
Pede- I guess pedestrians, I guess you could say that. Part. Uh, <laughs> is that the right word? Yeah, sure. it works. Yeah. You know, it's not like a football game where like, ton- like you don't have to play football to go to the, go to the football game, but um, it brings a crowd in and there's, there's an, there's an energy about it, which I just absolutely love. It's my, it's always been my favorite horse show and I just, I love going there. Yeah. So I, I know you've been in several magazines this year, including uh, Sidelines Magazine, and you were named a Hot Horseman of the Year. Congratulations. I was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we so, have a hottie among us, and it's Terrence. <laughs> just try to the same, please. Oh, like my gosh. Is- so I'm curious as to, like, what the, like, how did you find out about yeah. this? Like how did, how honor, it's like in the horse world, this is like being like, you know, on GQ. Like it's like yeah. you're yeah. you're being praised <laughs> purely yeah. for your looks. How does it feel to be kind of objectified? I take it. I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, it was kind of I didn't even I okay, I didn't even know. My friend Chelsea, who I went to college with, I guess saw it on Facebook in like june or something and then i guess they were like nominate your hot horseman friends blah blah blah. she didn't even tell me about it and then i got an email um i think in september from what well, i guess the editor or something something like that and they were like well, you've been selected i was like what <laughs> did you know who did it right away no i had some i had some um inklings of it yeah and i guess she also got an email because she emailed it in so she she texted me. You got me, notified you as well. Me? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. I was like, oh, well, I'll take it. And then it was, Have you been treated differently since your crowning? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. You haven't been waiting. asked for an autograph. Waiting. Waiting for that <laughs> yeah. Out. Do, would you like to be treated differently? Because we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> we can arrange that. Well, the funny thing is, so the um, the editor sent me an email, and they're like, "Well, how many copies do you want? We can send you copies. We can send you up to 20. I was like, "I'll take twenty. I'll take all of them. I'll take all of them. So I literally have a box in my car. I'm just like handing them out to people, like. <laughs> Like, I know what I'm giving everyone for Christmas. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> so did you do, did you do a did photo you shoot? Them? Did you sign them? I should. You I should sign them. Um, no. So what they did is they just need like a, a high quality picture. So gotcha. I happen to have one. Ooh. <laughs> or a <step. laughs> The way that you said that made it sound like you had one that was like really naughty. <laughs> right. Like, I just so happen to have one. I'm like, here's one. You know, I said, I just kept, she probably hated me because I like every day I would just send her more. I'm like, well, which one? You like, yeah, but also I look really good at this one. So like, let's check this one out. Left side. So I want that one. This was <laughs> that picture. Oh, I love but, it. If we ever do like a shirtless calendar to fundraise or anything like that, can we count you in? Is that one hundred percent fair bet? <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm in. D- didn't even stutter. Like no, it was no. like right off the bat. Like let's nope. start it now. <laughs> <laughs> like you heard it here first. You heard it here, ladies. Two thousand and eighteen. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Terrence, thank you so much for coming on and oh, you're so welcome. Like, talking to us and putting up with us and letting us prod you about being a hot horseman. <laughs> Again, 
<laughs> if I can get a date out of it, I'm in. You All can- right. <laughs> Love it. You're the best. Oh, we have to have you on again. You're so much fun. Oh, I mean, just just call me. (laughs) (laughs) We know people. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Terrence. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you You so much. What's better than one half pad? Two half pads. Made out of high-resilience foam, the Flip Half Pad is the hardest working pad. This reversible pad gives you two color options and the ultimate support. Available in dressage and jumper shapes, this innovative half pad is more than just good looks. Get yours at ecogold.ca. Our next guest on tonight's episode is Jackie Brooks, who's a Canadian two-time Olympic dressage rider, highly sought-after coach for both event riders and dressage riders, and her and her big horse, Goose, are huge fan favorites. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. So with this little holiday tradition, um, tell us a little bit about you guys' barn traditions, family traditions. What do you guys do? Well, actually, uh, Brookhaven is uh, where my uh, family lives. I don't live there. I have the business there. But Christmas is um, always, it always happens at the farm. So we have all my relatives over to our house there. And, uh, of course, staffing is always an issue on Christmas Day. So I become the staff. So my, all my uh, nieces and nephews, we all go out and do a big brand mash for the horses with lots oh. of carrots and horse eating the brand mash and send it to each owner. So everyone has a nice Christmas picture of their horse having a nice big warm brand mash, which is just a lot of fun because the, the kids don't, they're not with the horses that much. So it's, it's exciting for them to come out and it's nice for me to have the company while I take care of them. So it works out really, really well. Oh, that's fun. That is so cute. That's such a good idea to like get everyone involved, but like you're still kind of doing your horse chores. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of like, no, it's- it's like legal child labor a little bit, it sounds like. Totally. totally. <laughs> so, they all come off uh, Christmas morning. They've eaten too much candy, so the parents are all happy. Yeah, they can sit down and have some adult conversation. I take anybody out to the barn that wants to feed. So a big group goes out, and everybody else stays back. And it really it works out really great. Oh, that's fun. So, so we're really, your, yeah, yeah, we're what? super big fans, first of all, of you. And also... Yes. Of Goose. Yes. <laughs> I want to give Goose a candy cane. <laughs> I love him. I'm like, I'm a big fangirl of Goose. Um, so, of course, wow. Jackie, you had a freestyle this year go pretty viral. And um, a lot of people were really impressed by this kind of new idea of freestyle. And it was really, really unique. You guys executed it beautifully. And that was, you debuted it at Dressage at Devon, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about that. Everybody is so loving it. So maybe for those that aren't familiar, just give us a rundown of this new dressage, this new um, Grand Prix freestyle that you have. Yeah. So uh, traditionally we um, usually use different pieces of music, even if they're related, you know, they're from the same album or the same singer or the same musical or the same movie. Typically they would be different actual pieces for each date. So you'd have a piece for your can of work and a, a different piece for your walk and a different piece for your trot work and then something else for your passage and staff. And, you know, it, uh, historically it's been difficult to try to do something with one song because the technology wasn't there. So if you tried to play with the tempos, 
you ended up also playing with the pit. So if you sped something up, you know, it sounded like the chipmunks were singing instead of, you know, whoever was supposed to be singing. So I, you know, I thought of it before and it just wasn't realistic. And the second issue with picking one song to do an entire freestyle to is it has to be a pretty special song. You know, it has to be a song that most people like, uh, you know, it has to be well-liked, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, it has to be uh, still an emotional trip. So this summer I was, you know, just at, at my house, uh, you know, doing stuff. And, and the, the disturbed version of Sound of Silence came on the radio. And I was like, wow, you know, that is an interesting piece of music. It's very heartfelt and very emotional. And he's, you know, he's an amazing singer. And so I went to um, Tamara Williamson of Kaboom with the idea. And I said, listen, you know, I really feel like I could find a way to ride a pattern to this music. When I listen to it, I can hear pirouettes and I can hear the twos and I can hear the ones. And, you know, I can really, I can really feel the pattern in the music. And uh, of course she was very concerned because, you know, people have done one song freestyles before, but they've been written for the horses. So it's been original mm-hmm. music, hallelujah music. It's, you know, we can stay on the one theme because it's a drummer drumming the drum bed and it's a guitarist playing and it's a singer playing. And, you know, it was written for Goose, that music. So it's, you know, it can be one song because it's an original piece of music. And I, that's happened before, you know, I have a good friend, Tina Williamson. She does um, one to good, uh, good uh, vibrations. And, but it's a written one where somebody wrote the whole freestyle for her. And the difference with this one is it's, it's the actual disturbed song. And we have been able to make the tempo changes that it, it's the right tempo for his walk. It's the right tempo for his trot. It's the right tempo for his canter. It's the right tempo for his massage and piaf. And we've kept the integrity of the song. So you can basically sing it. If you know the words to the song, it, it really follows the exact song by Simon and Garfunkel. And we were really fortunate that we actually found a, you know, a instrumental version of the song that was also performed by Disturbed. So it's seamless when we want to use the vocals or we don't want to use the vocals in the freestyle. You can just, we were just able to slot in exactly the same music with and without vocals. So it just was one of those perfect storms where it was, the song is unbelievable and touches everyone and we were able to make it work for the pattern and the pattern the music really lends itself to the pattern it's you know it really works uh, emotionally to the pattern so it was uh you know it was one of those ones where you were like before i wrote it i was you know listening to it in the barn and really like i knew i really had to like hit everything perfectly and even people that were walking by, you know, I was in the, you know, the tax stall sitting there listening to it. They were like, what are you listening to? That's, you know, it sounds great. And I was like, okay, it's, it's really going to work. Cause there was a big worry, of course, that it wouldn't, you know? So awesome. Every single time I've watched um, the video of your freestyle at Devon, probably more than probably between like 10 and 15 times, which is probably strange it's probably very (laughs) odd i don't mean to alarm you um and it gives me goosebumps and i have like tears in my eyes every single time like it's so if if anyone is listening to this podcast and they haven't watched it that song is so emotive and it just ties in so well with you two and it was so incredibly different. I, I'm curious, as an inventor that knows nothing about choreographing a freestyle, uh, you know, you said that you could sort of hear parts of the song that you thought would work well with different um, with different movements. What 
what goes into planning that? So can you just walk us through the phases of sort of how you got this freestyle together together from the time that you chose the song until the time that you, you know, knew exactly what you were going to do with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've done a few original ones for him. I don't know if, you know, we have Alleluia. We did one, Tule Miz. We did an opera freestyle. And in those ones, I picked pattern, the pattern in a way that I knew it would be easy for Goose to show off, show off himself. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put anything that would challenge him or, you know, and, and sort of as he was, you know, as I was developing him, that was very important. And then we wrote the music to that. At this point in his career, He's very dependable, as you know, in the movements, and he understands exactly what's required of him, and he enjoys the freestyle. So when I did this pattern, it was the opposite. We we made the you know the music was already made, and I listened to that music, and the the verses of the song lent themselves um, easily to the feeling that you would be listening. You know, when he sings some of the verses, it's ob- it became obvious to me anyway, that it would be an extended can or to a pirouette and then come back with the changes. And that, that the timing of that would work exactly into the timing of the existing verses. So the, those rough, I roughed those in and then we played with some of the instrumental version to just bridge, you know, getting, so, so say the canter tour, I do extended canter to a pirouette and a half. And then I come back on a bending line of twos. And then we have sort of some instrumental to get across the short end. And then we have the next verse, which is ex- identical in its tempo and its rhythm, but it's obviously the next words. And I go extend it down to the pirouettes and come back in the ones. And that, that was, you know, became obvious to me just sitting in my living room chair. I could hear it and I knew that's what I had to do to that part of the music. And really, once we kind of got it together, everything, everything kind of came because of the, the emotional feeling. I, it felt to me like a half pass, and then it felt to me like an extended, and it felt to me like the twos. And we just built it on, on the song rather than built the song around the pattern. And that's, that is the first time I, I had done it that way, which is why I think it works so well. Yeah, that's incredible. It was... Yeah, it, amazing like I loved it so much it's really cool to hear you talk about the process of that especially because the three of us none of us know what the hell it goes into I always watch those and I'm like how 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 do they do that (laughs) like always just sitting there in the stands like slack jawed just like how do they do that (laughs) I know I really uh very uh, it was the right timing is sort of in my career for it and in Goose's career for it. And the right song came along and all those things. But, you know, listening to you guys say that. And what I find interesting is I have, I've, I've had some pretty special freestyles, fortunately, like Samara has been very good with me. Uh, if I suggested a song like, you know, Alleluia, I thought, you know, it's the most beautiful song in the world. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great to do the most massage to it? And we built a whole freestyle around that. And when I played, played those ones or, or wrote those ones, people always came up after and were like, you know, I was crying during it and I loved it. But if I tried to show those to people that were not riders, like, the, you know, my friends at my gym or, you know, people out of the sport, my book club or something like that, they were like, they'd watch it, but they'd be chatting while they're like, oh, look, he looks great. You know, there, there'd be a lot of chatter while they watched it. You know, you know they were being pretty polite watching it. Mm-hmm. This one. I put this one on. I, it doesn't matter if, if people have never seen a horse do anything before. It is people will watch it start to finish and not say a word. Like they're just drawn immediately into it. Be, you know, because I think it just speaks to people on you know the musical level, the uh, you know the lyrical level, then the horse doing it to the music. 
it just, uh, for some reason, it just catches everybody for the entire freestyle. That's such an important thing, I think, for the sport, too. When you, as a rider, can put together a performance that, like, transcends the boundary of riders that are spectators and spectators that aren't riders, that's a huge deal. So kudos, because you're a total badass, and you're amazing, and so is Goose, and... <laughs> It was awesome. So I have to oh, ask, you. what is your favorite, what's your favorite show of 2017? Was it Devin or was there something else? Oh, definitely Devin. Definitely yeah. Devin. That, that, that night, you know, and Devin is special to me anyway. It's one of those shows where, you know, it's under the lights and it, Blaineville used to be like that too, because a lot of the town comes out to support it. And you have a lot of people from, you know, different, you got kids out there, you got, you know, kids, people that just live in Devon are there. And a lot of people make the trek to Devon, you know, for just because it's so special. And with the old stadium and, you know, the lights at night, it's just a really special venue. And then for him to step up in that, you know, for, for the first ride through of that, uh, and he, he was flawless, really, in it. It was just one of those nights where you're like, you just hope in your life you get one or two moments like that, you know, that they're the, they're the reason we keep going, something like that. Wow. Night, those are the nights that give you goosebumps. Okay, yeah, goosebumps. I, I, that's So Jackie, I know that you coach uh, both, riders who, you know, only ride dressage, but also eventers. And I was wondering what, you know, what is that like? What are some of the, you know, the, the funniest, most intense, you know, who works harder, your dressage riders or eventers? Ah, funny. Uh You know, it's, it's, it's a different personality, uh, in, in each sport in terms of just, you know, how much adrenaline you're after really the eventers are big, obviously big adrenaline junkies, especially with, you know, cross country. But I think the drive and the, the, the attention to uh, trying to make it great and working hard, you know, I think the sport is too difficult if you don't have that personality. We all know, you know, we spend that half an hour on the horse 40 minutes and the rest of the day is spent feeding them, mucking them, turning them out, taking care of them, changing their blankets. You know, it's a, it's a full commitment, a horse. It's just seven days a week, you know. So the, the personalities are, are more alike than you would think. Um, what I enjoy is I, I come from um, a more of a sport background. And my, my teaching isn't exactly standard um, because I was, you know, a swimmer and a skier. And, you know, if you, you name a sport, I probably tried it. Uh, and I probably tried to get quite good at it. And I, I lived in downtown Toronto. So, you know, apart from like two weeks at summer camp or a month at summer camp, and then uh, in my late teens and a, a weekly riding lesson at a riding school, I really didn't ride seriously until I graduated from university. And uh, that's when I met Ashley and went into um, into dressage because she was, you know, that, that was her sport and she was amazing at it. And I was totally drawn to it. But before that... So my background is so much sport that when I teach, uh, when I teach dressage, it's, it's more the sport of it. It's, you know, how do we athletically prepare the horses to do the test? How do we get them to understand the balances that are involved and, you know, go beyond just pulling on a bit and kicking with a spur. So I find that the, uh, the dressage riders it's, it, are, are enjoying it. It's because it's, it's a fresher perspective to how to teach dressage, you know, getting away from the military drilling and, getting more towards, you know, the same thing you guys like about Goose's Freestyle, that it's more of an athletic partnership. And I think the eventers, 
they they have realized that they need that athletic partnership to to solve those cross country questions. So when you give them permission to ride dressage in the same way that they ride cross country, that's also a relief to them, you know, that they, they can apply all this knowledge they already have from jumping and from going cross country and just apply it to the dressage. Then it really, for them, it's, it also opens up a huge door that, you know, the dressage is actually fun. And I've had a few of them say that, like, they, they're like, you know what? I can't believe it. I, I'm actually having fun learning this now. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, huh? Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. Do you have a, um, like a favorite eventer to coach? I'm really oh. rooting for the eventers here. If you can't tell. <laughs> well, I, you know, I came on board, um, David O'Connor brought me on board when he was coach, when he was coaching for the Canadians and I already had a, a pocket full of them. Like I, Jesse Phoenix and Diana Burnett and, um, a few of them have ridden for me for longer than when David came on board. And it was actually Jessica Phoenix when David was hired that said to him, this is my dressage coach. Can we bring her on board uh, going into the uh, London Olympics? And he came into my arena and, you know, I had to give like a, you know, an audition. I had to teach Jess in front of him to see if, you know, it was something that he wanted to, to do. And as it, as it worked out, um, I made the team for London myself and the dressage horses were there for the entire time. So I had my own accreditation and everything. So I was able to actually warm up all four of them for their dressage at the Olympics, which was, uh, you know, an amazing experience for me. And, and I was very lucky that David really handed me that job. And, and then when he went from Canada to the States, he brought me with him. So I went and started teaching uh, a lot of the uh, up and coming high performance um, American event riders, and I kept the Canadians as well. So my, you know, the, the ones that I work with in the States are fun. It's really fun. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Lauren Kiefer and Hannah Sue Burnett and Jenny Brannigan, Jan Binney, Sharon White, um, Lynn uh, Szymanski, you know, all these ones that are, were, are really cusping on becoming the, the next great American eventers. So that's been a fun journey, helping them for the last, you know, four or five years. And, you know, going from, you know, where they were excited to get us, you know, even just to get a change to like being like, okay, you guys, you know, you, you need to be able to do fours and threes to really present a flying change or, you know, really getting the basics of, of everything going that they can start winning the dressage because my, their favorite line, my Avengers favorite line is to tell me over and over again that it's not a dressage show. And then I have to always fire back right away. Unless you're really good at cross country and jumping, and if but it is a dressage show. So let's win the dressage and then let's win everything else, you know? So they're, they're amazing riders though. All those, the people that I teach eventing, I think are, are probably some of the best riders in the world. Well, Jackie, I can't thank you enough for coming on because we have really enjoyed listening to goose and the freestyle. And of course that you like teaching the eventers and making them love dressage, which is always a challenge for us. I know. <laughs> so, but oh, thank yeah. you so much for coming. We've really enjoyed it and look forward to talking with you again soon and have a happy holiday and Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you. And I just have to also just make the plug for uh, Echo Gold because, you know, Patricia and her family are such amazing people and they oh, have they supported me. Amazing. We love them. Since 
Yeah, since I like was doing my first dressage, I did. You know, I had they and and anything you need, they you, you know they bend over backwards to make everything happen happen for you. And then you look at Patricia, and you look just how forward thinking with these podcasts and the Hillsdale Magazine, and how you know how much she brings communities together. And it's just they're just amazing people. So just want to wish them the happiest holidays as well, and uh, and thank uh, Patricia just for existing, really. Thanks so much for saying that. Wow. You're the best person ever. I know on our podcast every time. I know. Jackie can be our like second guest every time. You're like, okay, Jackie's coming on. She's She's like, I'm never coming on this podcast again. No, I'm not coming back. I'm I'm sad it's coming to an end. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much. It's so much fun. Yeah, it'd be, it's great. So anytime, give me a call. Now you know my number. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we will see you at more event shows. Yes, you will. You will. I'll look forward to it. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Happy holidays. We have our final guest on for this evening, the special episode of Heels Down Happy Hour. And we are so excited to be joined by one of my favorite headliners of 2017. I had the distinct privilege of writing a story about her. She's a total badass. Um, We have Leslie Wiley on with us. She's a writer and a writer from Knoxville, Tennessee, whose job writing and editing for websites Eventing Nation, Horse Nation, and Jumper Nation have taken her on some unusual journeys, mostly recently including participating in a 1,000-kilometer horse race in Mongolia called the Mongol Derby, which is just bananas. And we wrote a whole story about it in Heels Down Magazine. It's so amazing. And she also has a eventing super pony named Princess. Leslie, thanks so much for joining us. Oh man, it's great to great to be on and thank you for the super sweet introduction and for like it was just a really funny and weird experience to be the subject of a story for once instead of the writer, you know, I'm always <laughs> telling everyone else's story. So it was it was neat. That was kind of neat. Yeah, to be sort of turned in in the opposite chair, so to speak. So that was so much fun you know, writing, writing that story about you was like, that was truly one of the most amazing stories I think of 2017. Um, if anyone again is not familiar, uh, this crazy chick rode feral ponies all the way across Mongolia and you didn't have, you didn't even have stirrups at one point. You had very little, it was not glamping at all. It was very rough and tumble. Um, so we dubbed you our craziest idea of 2017. <laughs> it was an honor. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so of course, as a, um, equestrian journalist, which Justine and I are as well, we can relate to kind of the, uh, the craziness of that, um, that profession and that lifestyle, but you're going to be home over Christmas, right? So tell us a little mm-hmm. bit first about your holiday traditions. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like I have some like long standing sort of like grievances with Christmas, like some real back, like emotional baggage because I grew up like every like a kid. Every Christmas, I was like, "Dear Santa, I just want a pony," and I would never get a pony. And then I'd be like, "Why does Santa hate me?" So, oh my God, give me a pony. (laughs) I mean, what? Throw me a bone. But um, (laughs) I know, right? 
but uh yeah and finally i did get my pony um but still it's just like really a deep wound um so i have to so um you know i'd like I just try to make the holiday into, 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 you know, a therapeutic experience for me. So every year, um, like, I guess my big holiday tradition is um, I said I make a Christmas tree out of Boda boxes. Um, Amazing. Boda box. Super, I mean, if you're going to go box wine, super classy choice. It's like it's real solid. The, um, yeah, so the for soft- people that don't know what that is, explain what that is. Uh, it's wine in a box. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> to the point. Um, so wait, I have a question. They're not full, yeah. right? They're, like you drink, this is the empty box remnants. No, no. No, you, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's an investment. Like, it's going to cost you a lot of money more than just like a regular old tri- Christmas tree. But instead of just like, you know, like dragging it to the curb on January 1st, you just keep, keep getting, like, you just keep drinking it for months on end. So <laughs> it's, the upfront cost is high, but I think it's just, you just have to think of it as an investment. So do you so, start every year, January 1, investing in like this project? <laughs> <laughs> no, I go to my local liquor store, like around about right, you know, like you know, sometime in December, and I buy out like all of the green Boda box that they have, which is their Chardonnay and their Sauvignon Blanc, and they and they're like, like you have a problem, lady, and I'm like, no, I'm just making my Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then yeah and then you've like you've made the down payment and then you just get to keep like reaping the, the, the benefit payment. throughout the, the year i'm just it. making my christmas tree guy <laughs> yeah and you just like set it up in the corner like just like a real like stack it up into a sort of a pyramid wrap it up with tinsel lights like hang some ornaments off oh the, like, my god tickets, put a bond top boom christmas tree we definitely need a picture of this yeah yeah, we'll double, I'll send you a picture. Um, my question is, like, do you have family over at your house? Like, are, how how do others feel about your habit? <laughs> um, yeah, no, not so much family. Um, but my friends are always like they get excited to come over. Oh, I I bet. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, they I, tap like, the Christmas tree. Yeah, if I was your neighbor, I would just like stroll by every evening at six thirty and just walk in your house. <laughs> hey, what up? Like, just take <laughs> just it to the left side today. <laughs> Yeah, you got to keep it balanced so it doesn't right. topple over. You've got to yeah. drain them equally. <laughs> yeah, there's some nuance to it. You know? I feel like your husband must be a very, either a very patient or like a wildly crazy fun person <laughs> to put up with this. <laughs> he is, yeah, he's sort of my counterbalance. Like he really does, like he puts up with me like a champ, which cannot be easy um, a lot of times. Like when I presented you know, like pitch the idea of like, hey, babe, I'm going to go do this like little horse race thing um, in Mongolia this year. You know, he uh, he's yeah, he's super supportive, but also like sort of my um, keeps me from just like flying off the edge of the earth, I think, which is <laughs> I think you I think you tried pretty hard to do that when you went to Mongolia to ride feral ponies. <laughs> so <laughs> my and my question is have you know you're a few months you're a few months post race do you feel like you've fully recovered yeah you know it feels it feels now at this point kind of like this weird dream you know um 
Like it was like it happened in like a different lifetime or something like that. Like (laughs) your brain is like blocking it out. Like, Leslie, don't think about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're walking through like Walgreens or whatever and you're just like, that's that wasn't real. I don't know, you know. Um, But yeah, uh, and definitely writing about it was a cathartic thing. Like it was it was tough. It was incredible. Um, the landscape was incredible. The horses are incredible. The people are incredible. Um, but there was definitely, you know, it's definitely a challenging experience also. Yeah. My fiance um, actually has always wanted to go to Mongolia. And so when we were talking about honeymoon destinations, <laughs> he wanted to go to Mongolia. And I had just written that story. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I am not going there at my honeymoon. Oh, no, babe. We're going to Punta Like, <laughs> I want to be Next like time. feet up somewhere with a drink. And like, I do not. I mean, I do not want to go through what that poor girl <laughs> subjected herself to, like not on my honeymoon. So, um, but yeah, so you chronicled that journey. Once you got back, you wrote about it, of course, on a vending nation. Um, and people were so interested in hearing that story and you had such an enormous fan base and team of people supporting you and following you did you ever expect that it was going to become this enormous kind of nationwide sensation absolutely not you know um I had I did not see that coming at all um actually one of the first things someone said to me after I crossed the finish line at the derby was one of the um one of the sort of social media liaisons for the Derby came up to me. She's like, you're the darling of the Derby. You're, you're huge on Twitter. I'm like, what? I'm just glad, like, I'm like so removed from any sort of first world, anything right now, including Twitter. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I'm just glad I'm alive. You know, like I just like, like take a shower for the first time in two weeks. And and <laughs> yeah like so, have some civilization know, have some civilization so yeah I just I didn't see that coming but the, but it was but it was completely awesome and and honestly the support that I knew that I had when I um went out to do the race was something that really got me through and I it, when things got tough I you know I'd think about everybody that was back home that was cheering me on and even though I didn't really realize that to the extent that they're cheering me on in that in like real time, but um, the people that had gotten me there and, and that really kept me, kept me going. Yeah. It was really incredible to, cause of course I was in the States and I knew that you were doing this and just to see how many people were staying up all night to follow you on the little GPS tracker and follow all of the Twitter updates. Cause of course there's also a huge time difference. Um, and it was just, it was, this incredible thing to see. And it was, of course, you know, almost a, like almost a two week whole ordeal by the time it was all said and done. Did you ever think about quitting? Like, I know you had some really, really hard obstacles. You lost all of your belongings, you know, your horse ran off. It's hot, it's cold, it's terrible. Did you ever have that thought of, can I just not do this and go home? (laughs) Oh man, on day two, like at the end of day two, I was literally like, 
treating myself for hypothermia. It was a oh, brutal, like brutal day. I was, I knew I was hypothermic. I, I luckily had like a, this was before the pony like ran off into the sunset with all my stuff on day three, but on day two, I still had, I had an emergency blanket. I had like some, some resources and I was just like, kind of like treating myself for hypothermia. And, um, and I was just like, this seems like enough of a story, right? Like I can go home and write just about these this yeah, like hours. I've done my like, work. I've suffered enough. <laughs> I can be done in 48 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> seems like, yeah, like another doing another seven days of it just seems like just seems completely insurmountable for sure. So you have roughed it in Mongolia, but you've also roughed it in some hotel rooms <laughs> as an equestrian journalist, which I have not been to Mongolia, but I want to say that I I have a hankering that you've slept in some places that were maybe sketchier being a horse show reporter and a journalist than being in Mongolia racing across the country. Do you have a horse show travel, horse show reporting nightmare story that you can share with us? I mean, so, so Vending Nation, I know I travel all around the world covering events for them they're like pretty low budget um <laughs> and <laughs> so, so we're like you know always looking for like what's the what is the very cheapest place like who do we know that has a floor that you can sleep kind of <laughs> but this summer I really took it to the next level because like I'm not saying I'm a princess but I like my creature comforts I like my king size bed I like my like little soft kitten under my arm I like you know my temperature climate controlled you know night I'm and I'm a little bit of an insomniac anyway so I was like okay I gotta get over that real fast because and I did because in Mongolia was there was just I mean at night you were just like oh my god like am you're am, is a rat gonna crawl on my face like am I gonna get raped you know like like it's oh like like it's not ideal <laughs> like this is a real struggle bus sleeping conditions <laughs> and yes, that um, would qualify as struggle by sleeping <laughs> conditions for sure yeah literally I was like swatting you know just like swat like get off my face mouse you know um and or, or like sleep or like after the pony ran off with my sleeping bag among everything else that I had with me which was not much you know it's like we were allowed to carry 11 pounds um but I didn't even have my sleeping bag and it's it cold at night so I was just like sleeping under rugs on the bare ground like with maybe other riders like would pile their coats on top of me so anyway so it was it was it was it was rough it was rougher than I even thought it was gonna be um but to prepare I thought I should probably put myself in some you know random (laughs) some real rando like sleeping situations um and and like, you know, of course, like a vending nation would, was all about it because it's less money. Like, oh, Leslie doesn't, she doesn't need a hotel room because she's Airbnb a TP or, or just sleeping in her car or whatever. Um, and uh, so, yeah, definitely slept in some interesting places. The, t- the uh, when I went out to Rebecca farm, um, I Airbnb to TB on a bison farm, which is kind of amazing. Um, a- even though, like, I'm sorry, repeat that, please. <laughs> yeah. Airbnb. TP. A- <laughs> Airbnb is amazing because you can like, air- you know, like find anywhere. Like you can sleep in like a giant shoe in the Netherlands <laughs> or like <laughs> or a windmill or whatever, you know, like there's just 
like, what do you want to sleep inside? Like, there's probably an Airbnb for that. Um, and so, I mean, technically, so, Leslie, you know, you can sleep in those places without booking it on Airbnb, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think you have to pay for those. No one's probably going to know if you sleep in a windmill. You can just go. <laughs> <laughs> no contract necessary. <laughs> right, right. But and like one night I was even like, I'm gonna one up this TP, which was like and it was this is like a rug I mean it was like kind of a glampy TP, but also it was like uh like squirrels were just like running in and out of your like of the <laughs> But I was like, okay, I'm gonna one up this. I'm gonna sleep after the competitors party on Saturday night, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna sleep on a cross country jump on the cross country course. And um it was, I like found the um, one. It was jump 19 on the advanced <laughs> course. It was kind of covered in like they'd sort of like covered in oats. Like it was looked like a train car. And there was like that was full of oats. So there was like oats on top. I was like, it was kind of like a fluffy mattressy type thing. So I was like drug my um sleeping bag out there and just and it was amazing actually. I watched shooting stars. The sun coming up in the morning was just like okay yeah you can do that and I think most people will probably just go sleep in a hotel how much alcohol went into that decision to sleep on a cross-country job there may there may have been like you know (laughs) it was was part of me just saying like but um yeah but you know the the real like final test was um was I don't remember where I was going or coming to even but I was flying through the Newark airport and I had like a late night flight in and then I was flying like flying out in the morning and um and I was like I was like I'm gonna we gotta do this Leslie we're just gonna sleep in the Newark airport and oh, <sighs> oh my god no like, worse on the planet it's terrible no. like curled up fetal position of my suitcase like and you can't even stay in the turn you know you have to get kicked out where there's actual homeless people sleeping like also all around you and so um and uh like this is the airport that has on its you know on its like uh trash cans like no needles not little signs like this is new york airport yeah it's beautiful (laughs) it's beautiful you guys don't know this but it's not the song isn't by alicia keys isn't new york she's singing about newark it's a real it's a real destination (laughs) um i live 15 minutes from newark so jersey strong hooray (laughs) so leslie they're like i was like okay i can do anything like this is like the my final like test yes you passed <laughs> that's disgusting. so leslie i have a question what is since you like always report and everything else um what we've gotten over a bunch of like news items and stuff for 2017 what was your favorite news item for 2017 that you thought like of any discipline like what was your favorite of any discipline yeah if you picked one what would be your one favorite news item Oh, I don't know. It's like a, it's one giant, it's like a great big blur because I have to I report on news every single day. I know. So that's how I was yep. like. And, you know, I just, what I really love are like the little stories, the little bitty stories that I get to do on like adult amateurs that are, that are just like out there making their way or, um, or 
like, I love writing about kids because it just reminds me of, like, the reason why we all got into this in the first place. So I'd say probably my favorite stories were the ones that weren't necessarily headliners, you know. Um, yeah, those kind of smaller, like, heart-tugging. Yeah. Bigger impact. It's always, like, a bigger impact with those people, too. You know, those stories matter more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what does what is 2018 going to bring for Leslie Wiley? Do you have any crazy plans that we should be aware of? Will we I'm be writing retired. more about you in 2018? I'm retired from adventure in 2018. <laughs> 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 Not enough, thanks. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I don't know. Actually, like, but I, I mean, I say that, but I'm kind of, but it's kind of true. I'm like, you know, I think you there's sort of a mentality. It's like, okay, like, how are you going to one-up that? How are you going to, like, you know, what's next? What's, and it's kind of like, no, you know, at some point, it's kind of like, well, you, you're like, I don't, I don't have anything to prove, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. right. And, like, it's kind of like, when are you going to be happy, you know, just, like, be fully 100% happy with yourself and just, like, proud of yourself and, like, not, you know, where you're at now and not what's, you know like uh, like your sort of self approval self worth be contingent on like on what's the like chasing the next accomplishment yeah. and getting yeah. the next yeah goal checked off your list i love that i think that that's like such a good kind of like mini resolution almost is just to sort of yeah. be still and happy kind of where you are i love that especially somebody coming off of such a yeah. not so crazy journey so but, Leslie, I mean, having said that, I'll probably still go do something crazy that I d- can't even see coming at this point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's just kind of who Seems I, to be but... your style. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Heels Down Magazine delivers an original, thought-provoking, inspiring stories to your phone in an interactive package every month. Subscribe for a year and get two months for free. So it's that time. We're going to do Rose and Thorn. The last one of the year, you guys. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's kind of weird. So crazy. So So let's do it a little different this time. Let's do best and worst of 2017. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Macro. Very so, cool. We're doing it. We're doing it with Leslie too. Yeah. She's still here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So Leslie, so put Leslie your thinking cap think on. Of, yeah. We'll we'll uh, let her go last. As you know, as a special guest, we let her go last because it always takes us a little bit. So Justine or Caroline, you have to lead us off. What's your rose and thorn of all of 2017? Ooh. Hmm. And there's no skipping this time. It can't be a rose and a rose. Dang it. Wait, why are you making the rules? This was my game. <laughs> I took over. I took over. You're now the president of Rose and Thorn. Oh, oh. I was hoping I could weasel out. Um, I would say that my my rose of 2017, oh, man, I have a lot. Um, I have the coolest job. And... 
that's a big rose. I mean, every day that I get to do a freaking awesome job with awesome people and I get to be creative. I get to talk to you guys. I get to be on a podcast where I drink for goodness sake. Like I have really nothing to complain about. That's definitely my rose. Oh, getting engaged was fun. Um, everyone, <laughs> a close second, a close second. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, like, yeah, that's like a little thing. Um, the worst of 2017. Got to pick some. Was probably on the podcast where we talked about my vagina for like 30 minutes. <laughs> You brought that up all on your own, girl. Yeah. Not provoked right. whatsoever. People had finally started to forget that. <laughs> We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Never forget. That was but all on you. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag never forget. Oh, oh, okay. Justine. Best and worst right. of 2017. I will start with a sad one. Uh, sorry to like sober us all up, but I lost my heart horse earlier this year and it was sudden and awful and expensive and all of the terrible things that you fear when that kind of shit happens. Um, but my rose is that I bought a new horse and I am starting to like him a lot and he makes me excited about riding and my future and things that we can do in 2018. So silver lining, I guess. Yeah. Jess, what about you? So my rose would have to be probably baby Hudson. Yay. Um, and then my thorn would probably have to be Doug. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say his injuries because they were pretty terrible. Yeah. You know, that was a bad nine days. Like, so I would have to, I would have to say, yeah, the two falls that were just whatever, but at least he's healthy now and happy and everything's good. And now we have baby Hudson. So that's, that would be my rose and thorns. So Leslie, have you thought of yours? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I gotta say, I mean, they're both part of the same plant. I think I gotta say they're one and the same would be uh, my rose and my thorn was the Mongol Derby. Like it was a true, like it was the best of times. It was the worst of times kind of scenario. <laughs> you know, like I saw the absolute bottom of myself. I I was m- miserable. You know, at at moments and. Um, but it was also like really just brought me a lot of clarity and um, reminded me what's what's important in my life and reminded me of like just how freaking incredible this life is um, and and then we get to experience it. So, yeah, raise and oh, thorn. Love that. Yeah, you're allowed to do both. Yeah, for the same thing because that's so. really incredible. We have had such an incredible first 13 episodes you know this podcast of course started middle of 2017 we're so excited to continue it in 2018 we're so grateful for all of the people that listen and download and interact with us it's really been just such a an amazing exciting thing to be able to do and uh, we're just so you know grateful to horse radio network for letting us do our thing and be creative and of course, you know, the team at Heels Down Magazine for supporting us and putting up with our craziness. Um, so thank you to everybody that has listened so far. And we have a lot of exciting things coming in 2018 and we can't wait to share them with you. 
So if you want to hear more from us, uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe and check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet so you can take it anywhere. You can download it on iTunes or Google Play or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. We'll be releasing episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Friday of each month in 2018 as well. That schedule will not change. And did you know that you can get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone? Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. Oh, and before I sign off with everybody and we do our cheers, um, if you would like to be one of the people that writes in for our mailbag in 2018, just send us an email. Hello at heelsdownmedia.com is the email address, or you can Facebook us, tweet at us, all of the things at us, and we will get back to you. So, guys, I think we have to cheers to the end of 2017. It's obviously been a really exciting year for all of us in, in, very, in many different ways. So I think we have to cheers to the end of 2017. And Leslie, you get to sign yeah. off the year with us. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yeah. Right. Got, a, got a glass raised to you guys. Cheers. 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 <laughs>